Now, this is one of those mornings where, from my own study uh, for the last couple weeks or more, uh, to my own reading this morning, uh, to the prayer room this morning, to coming up into this main auditorium, my dear brother Pat leading uh, our, our congregational singing this morning. Uh, I don't know how you, and I don't like to use the word feel a lot, but I don't know how you feel right now, but truth be told, I've already been transported to the third heaven, and I have stayed there, I have stayed there, until Jesus Christ said, you, you have to go down and preach for me just one more time. So I came back as Paul came back uh, under protest because I was just happy to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. So we're going to continue to try to keep us in the presence of Jesus Christ this morning. And I can see you're all thrilled to death with that. Okay, all right, I just want to know what crowd I'm preaching to. There's a couple churches down the road have a different persuasion, and I can guarantee you they're not very excited about being where they're at this morning. So you need to, you need to be, heaven's going to be an exciting place. Amen. Going, going, going to be exciting. And, uh, and I'm glad uh, when, uh, when uh, yes, I, 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 get, I get shouting, uh, you can ask my wife, uh, uh, the church blessed me. My wife and I, my old car died, transmission died, and, and my pastor and the deacons, and, and you don't know it, but you, you're paying for my new car, okay? And, uh, and I, I want to thank you. <laughs> you. He knows it, the deacons know it, but you don't know it, but you're paying for my new car, all right? Uh, and and, uh, and, and you're, you're good to me. Uh, but as we traveled to Ohio, and I'm leading up to something, as we traveled to Ohio, uh, I've got some, we've got some quartet music that we uh, plug in, because everything died on that old car mine, and, and we haven't listened to CDs for five years. But uh, it, uh, I, get to, uh, I get happy. Now, you have to watch when you get happy with a new car, because they're so smooth in their ride that you're supposed to be doing 70, and you're really doing 95. <laughs> Because the car rides so smoothly, all right, it's not like that old Chevy. You know? So, uh, but I get happy, and then I get crying. And yes, I am like my mother. I have too many female emotions in me. Uh, <laughs> but anyhow, and then I get pounding on the steering wheel. So I'm going to apologize to Mike Akeem already, because when I give that car back to you guys at Hudson Toyota, the steering wheel is probably going to be broken, brother. So uh, uh, go to the book of Hebrews with me. It's where I want to start. We had taken, uh, by, by permission, uh, Pastor, we, and, and everybody, like I say, our, my, our church here, very good to Deb and I. And it was Debbie's birthday, May the 4th, and uh, my queen uh, caught up with me, and she turned 65. And, and, uh, but her mommy, uh, May the 8th, turned 91. 
Uh, I thought she was 93. I had the old girl three years, two years beyond where she was, and she corrected me brutally. Okay. <clears throat> now you have to appreciate my mother-in-law. Okay. <laughs> See, my mother-in-law, and I'm leading up to something, so stay with me here. My mother-in-law uh, is a salty elderly saint. Salty. Uh, didn't spend much time in church, only from child. Then she got married and, and you know, young and got into, uh, and then World War II and all that, and, and she spent a good many years working in a steel mill in a bearing factory, Timken Company, back in Canton, Ohio. So uh, uh, she's a sweet, she's a sweet, she loves people, and she's just sweet, and her body's falling apart on her now. But I let Debbie off at the door, and Debbie goes in to see her mom, and I park the car, and then I walk in. Well, mom can't see very well. Matter of fact, she almost can't see at all anymore. And when you walk in, she sees your shoes. That's the way her vision is. She sees your shoes, and she sees the top of your head. So I walk in, and she must realize, okay, this is my bald son-in-law. And, uh, and you, you got to love it. And I'm going to share it with you. I won't use the word. But she says, where the H have you been? And I said, Mom, I came to see you specifically, so I want you to stop cussing at me. And she starts to laugh and says, oh, I'm not cussing at you. But she's just a salty, wonderful old lady. But something, Mother's Day was the 10th, and the last time Debbie spoke to her, I'm going to share a blessing with you. Something happened for the first time in 45 years of Deb and I coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, uh, but Deb's mom said uh, when she can, she can still talk on the phone, her brain is still pretty sharp, body's failing her. But uh, she said to Deb, do I get to see you one more time before I die? So we felt compelled to go back in, in last week in May. And we got to see her. Deb and I have never had a, sh a, a clear proof in our hearts that a witness that Debbie's mom was saved. And she's 91. She grew up in an American, a Northern American Baptist church many, many years ago as a child, uh, carried her Bible very well could have gotten saved in Sunday school, but life unfolded and church went to the, the Bible went on the shelf and church was non-existent and her and Carl lived their lives and they parented to two good kids, okay, that both came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, my wife and her elder brother. But we never knew, Dad, we think we got, he got saved on his deathbed, 54 days in an intensive care, and, and Chucky witnessed to him, and Deb and I witnessed to him, and others went in, and as far as I'm just going to take uh, and uh, hang on to hope that Carl came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because it just takes a moment. That's all it takes. This isn't, salvation is not a process. Word of God gets in your heart today in a moment. In a moment, you can believe on Jesus Christ and be saved. In a moment. But I had something happen. We went to see her on her birthday and gave, got, a, got a couple little couple cupcakes and, and put a candle in them. And uh, we sang her happy birthday. And, and, but on the way, you know, you, you, talk, you, you talk yourself out for about three hours. And, and uh, 
But I had something happened toward the end of that first day on her birthday, May the 8th, that has never happened in the 45 years that I've known Jesus Christ, been married to her daughter for 47 years. She said to me, uh, she said, uh, oh, she's in a wheelchair. She's pretty heavy now, filling up with water and all that. She doesn't move around a lot. She's, she's back like this. She says, oh, well, I, I wish I could hear you preach. They tell me you're a good preacher. I don't have any idea who told her that lie. Okay. They tell me you're a good preacher. They tell me, oh, you can sing. They tell me you can sing. Sing to me. Sing to me. Now, she's never, this is my salty mother-in-law. Right off the bat when I was dating Deborah, she said, I refuse to call you Pat. That's a girl's name. I don't care what the old lady thinks of me. I got her daughter, okay? <laughs> so she has called me Dean for all those years. What boats your float make? If it works for you, no problem. No, I don't have a problem. So she says, I hear, I hear you can sing. She says, oh, sing to me, sing, sing to me. And, I, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, I was a little tired by that time of the day and, and a little running out of juice and figuring out what to say and putting up, you know, and listen, and I shouldn't say put up, but listening to everything. And, and uh, so I leaned over to her and I said, uh, I said, Mom, I'll, I'll, let's do something together. I said, Mom, let's, let's sing together. Now, I don't know that she knows. I just figure, okay, I'm going to start something and, uh, and she's going to stumble her way through it. Do you know what God did for Deborah K. Dean and me that day? That old 91-year-old lady, God gave us a sure witness. You know, you know how long the average uh, resident of a nursing home is? 18 months. And then they die. That's the average. That's the national average. You know people longer, I know people shorter. That's the average. That old lady threw her head back, and without any prompting, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. She's singing this by heart. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. She's singing that by heart. Amen. She hasn't been in church for decades. But somewhere in her past, and I'm just singing along with her, trying to be soft so her voice rings through. But you know what God did? We sang, I went to the, I, I took it, I didn't have a hymnal, could remember all the verses. A couple, about three of them I remembered. Do you know she remembered? Something got planted in her heart. Now they have people that come there, but I can tell you what wasn't planted at that point. It got planted way, way, way long back when she was a kid in a Northern American Baptist church that at that time was still preaching the gospel in, in Canton, Ohio. So here's, here's what I want to say to you. I want to say to you, if you've got lost loved ones, don't you ever give up. Don't, don't, don't you give up. Don't you, don't, don't you uh, have a pity party and say, well, I just, because it's, it's rare 
But even at 91, God can stir chords in somebody's heart and bring them. I believe that old lady, she, she told Debbie many times, oh, I'm saved, I'm saved. I, you know. But it was, there was never any, never any proof of anything, never any witness. Many times it would go the opposite way. But God did something for Deborah and I that no man can take away from me now. And that room, with an old lady's voice and her, and her 65-year-old son-in-law stumbling around, God filled that room with himself. This is what I want to I preach on this morning. We're going to preach on consecration. Consecration. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 7. We have been... We have been looking at uh, the will of God, and, and uh, we've been looking at sanctification. The will of God starts with God who will have all men to be saved, come unto the knowledge of the truth. All right? If I've got you in Hebrews, because, and we're, we, this is not a place to embarrass anybody, but if, if you're sitting beside somebody who can't find the scriptures as easily as you without offending that person. Help them find the scriptures. I, I, I told you to go to Hebrews chapter 7. All right, you go there. But I, I, want, I, want to, I want to go to who will have all men to be saved because we're talking about the will of God. And it is the will of God that you be saved. It is the will of God that you be sanctified out of 1 Thessalonians. It is the will of God that you be consecrated. Consecration means devotion, means dedication. Consecration is a, is a presentation. Sanctification is a purification. You purify yourselves. You cleanse yourselves with the word of us, with the word of God. We cleanse ourselves. But consecration, consecration is a continual presentation of yourself Romans chapter 12, that ye present your bodies, that ye present your bodies, that ye present your bodies. Did you get it? That ye present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. It talks about which is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you're saved here today, that's good. But you're sanctified. It's also acceptable. But sanctification is when God takes your life and, and cleans it up and makes it acceptable to Him. Consecration. You know what consecration is? That's what we talk about. We talk about perfection around here. It's not that somebody doesn't sin anymore. You don't sin in the two parts of you that are saved. But perfection is a, is a, is a, is a consecration. Perfection is when you see Jesus Christ in all of His glory from this book and you get de dedicated and you get devoted to Jesus Christ. I will say this to you. I don't want you. I'm speaking for myself. I don't want you to. Uh, this pulpit is not a place that will tell you be dedicated to the ministry. Be consecrated to the ministry. Be dedicated to the ministry. Be dedicated. I grew up that way. Be dedicated to whatever God's given you to do. 
You know what consecration is? We're going to see it. Consecration is you being dedicated and devoted to Jesus Christ. Sanctification and consecration are the two lost doctrines of the last church age. They were part of the other church ages. They were especially part of the the Philadelphian age from the 1600s roughly to the 1900s. And I have said this, I believe, you may disagree, I've got the pulpit. I believe that the Laodicean church, yes, it was in, is in Asia Minor, but I believe spiritually that the Laodicean church is America. Because every false Bible has come out of America. And somehow God's people got caught up And, oh, we're happy to be saved. I don't even know how many are happy to be saved anymore. But you know what sanctification is? I begin to take my salvation that God has entrusted to me. God's given it to me, a gift. And I take it seriously. I have this overwhelming desire in my heart to get clean. To get clean. I don't know whether it's age or I don't know whether it's looking at my Bible and looking at the signs of the times and saying, I don't have a lot more time to play around. Let's get clean. But consecration is devotion. But I have you, I have you back. This is for those who perhaps know not the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I I, I know I took you to Hebrews. That's okay. But back in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Look at, just look at verse number 4. Can somebody help a neighbor? Because we've been talking about the will of God. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Because somebody would say, well, what is the will of God for my life? What, is God, what does God want of me this morning? And the answer lies in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 4. Who will have, the preceding verse talks about good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, that's Jesus Christ. Now verse 4 says, who will have all men to be saved? If you came here and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. If you came here this morning, perhaps somebody's you've already spoken to people, but perhaps you've been here a long time. Regardless of where you're at first time or many times, do you know what God's will is for your life? Number one, number one, number one, please, I beg of thee. Number one, it's not to be rich. It's not even to graduate high school, college, graduate school, marry, have children, live on Toad Hill. It's none of those things. The reason why we're different around here primarily is because this book, we have been been moved in our hearts, all of us, 
to take God's side in the matter of life. Mortal or eternal. We're not going to take man's side. Paul wrote in the book of Romans, Paul took man's side. You know what man's side is? You are guilty before God. Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven so that he could pay the ransom for my guilt. If you're here today and you know not the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I have just spit in the face of God to walk out of here not saved. Because it says, who will have all men to be saved? I know there are addictions. I know there are things that hold people back. I was not addicted to wine. I was not addicted to cocaine. I was not addicted. I was addicted to Pat L. Dean. It's the worst addiction of them all. It's an addiction I struggle with even to this day. To worship self. To worship the creature more than the Creator. That's the will of God today. Will of God is that you be saved. Will of God is that you be sanctified out of the book of First Thessalonians. Abstain from fornication, whether it's physical or spiritual fornication. He talks about knowing how to possess your vessel. But this morning, I want to talk. You, you, be, you beg me just for a moment. I got put this on wrong. I thought it was 8 o'clock at night. I couldn't possibly have preached that long. But I can. And I get into trouble most of the time because I do it. All right. As my pastor would say, it's time to land the plane, brother. Land the plane. We've circled the airport enough. <laughs> land the plane, man. You're running out of fuel. You ran out of fuel 20 minutes ago. You're on fumes right now. Man, that plane, all right? <laughs> Hebrews. I want to talk about consecration. Now I take you to Hebrews chapter 7. Why would I be dedicated? Why would I be devoted? My brother Pat chose a song, A Flag to Follow. By the way, we do not... Uh, uh, any of us, preaching, singing, we don't coordinate around here. But I can guarantee you when God's in something, it all coordinates. It all coordinates. He's, he, we, we, re, we sang that old hymn, A Flag to Follow. I will tell you, face up, why. And I am. And it almost sounds a little puffed up, a little full of yourself, full of you think you're better. That's, that's not the case. But somehow early on in my Christianity, and it took years, it has taken years, and though we have stayed here in this, in, in this, on this island, and this place has become my home, but I can tell you why I stay here. I can tell you why I continue to stay here. And it is because I got a glimpse 
of what Jesus Christ did for me. Okay? You have to slow yourself down this morning. You have to right now stop thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 7. And this is talking about the priesthood. And we're going to look a little bit about the priesthood. And if I could just read 23, because through, through 28, the last verse, and then we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10. Because the word itself, consecration, and I haven't prayed yet, so let's pray. Please, let's pray. Our Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, I have, uh, I've run this doctrine through my mind and my heart. I know where you directed me to preach and teach it from. But Father, in Jesus' name, if you don't just put your own stamp of approval on what I have gotten from your own word, your word never returns void. But I pray not only for your power this morning, Father, we're going to look at something that's already been said unknowingly. I pray for your presence. Father, from the chair in my bedroom to a basement where we prayed, to an auditorium where we sang, I was overwhelmed with your presence. To the untrained ear, that sounds spooky. But to the trained ear, we know that without the presence of God, nothing gets done. And Father, I'm asking for you, just who lives within us yet is not bound to these houses. Somehow, Father, I remember walking into a church not even thinking I was going to get saved, and I walked out born again. And Lord, I pray for that one or that many that somehow they didn't even have any idea that Jesus Christ was going to capture them this morning. But I'm asking you, Father, to use me. Make me usable. And I am asking to be used. I want you to be pleased. I want you to take your own word and just overwhelm us this morning. In Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Verse number 23 of Hebrews chapter 7. This whole chapter is talking about a, uh, the priesthood, the Le Levitical priesthood. And there was a priest by the name of Melchizedek who had a very strange beginning. And, and, and we can, uh, th that's not our topic this morning. But he gets to verse number 23 because Hebrews, the, book, the entire book of Hebrews you'll find the word better and better and better always. It's repeated a great deal. And as I said, the very word consecration or consecrated, it's not found in the New Testament a great deal, but the doctrine and the principle is still there. But I want to start here because I want you to get to see 
where our dedication and where our devoted mindset and and who we are who we are presenting ourselves to this morning because consecration is a presentation sanctification is the purification but consecration is when i wake up i am devoted to jesus christ where paul would say christ who is uh, i i detest in my own spirit i detest and i even though i don't correct people but i hear men say and women say make christ part of your life no wrong paul said christ who is my life i have no life you you say well you're the pastor <laughs> i was saved long before god asked me to help a man in the office of a bishop I got saved. I was working in a steel mill. God had to take me. He, he put a black Bible under one arm, and I've told you, a black lunch bucket under the other. And I walked into that steel mill, and you, th you think you get strange looks? You should have got the strange looks I got. Consecration. In the early stages of my Christianity, Yes, good men, including Mel Sabaka, we say it all the time, told me to stay in the book and fall in love with Jesus Christ. Stay in the book. And I just determined in my own heart, I wanted to know more about this God who everybody else seemed to enjoy. Little did I know it would take me on a journey from, from salvation to sanctification to cleaning myself up, even to this day, cleaning, 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 cleaning through the Word, cleaning through the Word. But the more I got clean and the more I stayed in this book and I did not abandon, has nothing to do. We hope you're in this church forever. But we don't want you to be devoted to First Bible Church. We want you to be devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. But a process and a thing started to happen. And I found myself getting more and more devoted to this one who paid who, who, when I was his enemy, he still loved me. Who, when I fell, he would pick me back up. Amen. To that one, in all of my faults and all of my flaws, he never majored on them. He took me the way I was. Amen. And at the age of 20, Already married with a little baby boy, a month old. God started to work this selfishness out of Pat Eldeed. And to this day, He still works on it. But I want to tell you, it's because of Jesus Christ and Him alone. And they, verse number 23, and they truly were many priests because they were not suffered or allowed to continue by reason of death. They were just humans. We will get there, God willing, soon. But this man, meaning Jesus Christ, because he continueth ever, he's eternal. You want somebody to follow? I give you the eternal God, the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't give you Baptist. I don't give you non-denominational. I don't give you Roman Catholicism. I don't give you Methodism. I don't give you any denomination. I give you Jesus Christ. 
This man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Jesus Christ became the high priest. Wherefore, verse 25, he is able. Watch this. Wherefore, he is able. Wherefore, he is able. Now, we read in 1 Timothy where God's not willing that any should perish. It's one thing to be willing. I may be willing to give you a million dollars. But sadly, I've yet to make my first million dollars. Therefore, I'm not able. It's one thing to be willing. But it's another thing to be able. So if you're here this morning... As much as I or my pastor or any elder or anybody saved in this place, as much as I want to reach down into your heart and down into your mind and change it, I cannot. But I can show you one who can. I can lead you. I can, I can lead you to one who can. I can. Now, I'm going to say something, and I'm, it's going to sound a little, little, little self-serving, but I'm going to say it anyhow. To anybody who's, not, who's new here this morning, I'm going to say this right out. I know God. Yeah, five foot seven, 230 pounds. I know I look about 150, but I'm not. That's why I wear these things. I met Jesus Christ 45 years ago. I met him. I met him all by myself, and there was 3,000 people sitting in that main auditorium that morning, Easter Sunday. But I met him myself. And you can castigate me, and you can belittle me, and you can mock me, and you can rip that book in half. But you cannot take my God from me. I plan on it. Thank you. Because the saints and the church have not kept me going for these 45 years. It is Jesus Christ and Him alone. Through problems, through heartache, through death, through disease, through discouragement, and as late, through darkness, which we can't even go there. Darkness, when it creeps into your house and prevails, into your family, into, into a good church and prevails. You know what makes us survive? Jesus Christ. And Jesus alone. Yes. So, to anybody that would be here and know not the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not selling you, Jesus, but I know God. And you know how you get to God, the Father? Through Jesus, the Son. I don't need Jesus' mother or any of the saints I don't even need you. I love you. And I do need you. Don't misunderstand me. But in order to get to God, I got to God uh, uh, sitting in that chair 
And I got the God in the shower this morning. I got the, I got the God standing in front of, standing in front of a, a mirror shaving this bald head one more time. I got, I got the God. Because Jesus Christ, I received him. Because you know what he did? Nothing is by chance. You forgive me. Dear friend, you're not here by chance. Okay? You're not here by chance. There's no such thing as karma. There's no such thing as chance. There's no such thing as, well, uh, it just happened. No. There's no, right? No, sir. My brother said no, sir. You're on a journey. And God led you here. And you're going to get more truth in two hours. You're going to get more truth in two hours than you've gotten in your entire life. Now, I'm saying that to Chris because he's already volunteered some information. But it could be any of you, too. Okay, it could be any of you. Don't walk out. I don't care if you've been... You know what? I get so happy in Jesus anymore. If, if it were possible, I'd get saved all over again. Because I, I was just over... I got overwhelmed 45 years ago. And, and I thank God. You know, I don't know why. But God's been so good to me. I just continue to get over, overwhelmed. Because one day I'm going to get the medium. Oh, my word. Amen. I'm going to get to meet him. Mm. Uh, we're reading Hebrews. Look at uh, verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God. That, look what it says. Look what it says, dear, dear, dear friends, dear church. That come unto God by him. Not my good works. Not the sacraments, whatever those are. Not Hail Mary, full of grace, shut your mouth and feed your face. You say you're mocking. No, I'm being real. I'm being real. You can't take a preacher that's real. You need to, you need to get real. You know how you get to God? That book, God's contract that he signed right at the bottom of it, in his blood... He signed his name with his blown blood. He signed the contract. You know what God did? God said, that book says you want to get to God? By him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So now I've got Jesus Christ in the book of Romans, teaches that he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession. And he gives us the Holy Spirit of God who makes intercession for us. Do you know what Jesus Christ is doing in heaven for you right now? both sinner and saint. You ask why I love him. He sits in heaven right now, not playing poker with Gabriel. He ain't playing poker with Gabriel. Okay? He's not on Facebook with the cherubim. You say you're picking a fight. Yeah, I know I am. I love it. I love it. I love to pick a fight every once in a while. Then I walk away and let you guys fight it out among yourselves. <laughs> Do you know what he's doing in heaven? Here's what he's doing in heaven. Father, that's my son down there trying to preach. He's, he's trying to preach uh, my word. And uh, 
Lord, he, uh, you know him. He's, he doesn't do a very good job at it, but he's got a good heart attitude. And, and uh, I'm going to make up the difference here, Father. You know what he's doing? He's praying for you and I. He's praying. He's praying. He already died. He's not going to die again. That's why we don't have crucifixes hanging around here. Okay? Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He's up out of the grave. Tore the bars away. He's resurrected. He's ascended. He's on the right hand of the Father. And He's waiting. But you know what He's doing? He's got a work to do. And He prays. He prays. You want to be like Jesus Christ? Pray. 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 You say, I'm too busy to pray. We better not say that because God has a way of unbusying you. He does. I love him. He's not mean. He's not like the Greek or the Roman gods, the polygods, all right? Many gods. Let's go back to Hebrews. Look at verse number 26. For such an high priest became us. Now, if Jesus Christ is the high priest, then what am I fussing around with other priests for? Now, we're going to, I'm going to get to it. We're going to look at it. Do you know you're a priest? If you're saved, you're a priest. We're going to look at it. Hey, I'm going to take you to 1 Peter 2. We'll get there. Don't worry. Jesus Christ is my high priest. And I want to just declare something to you again and again and again. Not picking a fight, just being truthful. You know, you love the truth. You've got to love the truth. You people come back for the truth. You know, the truth is hard sometimes. And I'm amazed that you good people come, keep coming back and you get beat up with the truth. But you know what happens when you take the truth over and over? You, you, it, starts to, it starts out bitter. Then it gets real sweet in your mouth. My high priest doesn't sit in Rome. Your high priest isn't standing in his pulpit. Your high priest isn't sitting on that second row with his beloved. Now, we're believer priests. We have one high priest. You know who calls the shots around here? That high priest. And we all know enough that when the, when the pony gets galloping too fast, we dare not get beyond the high priest. You've got to slow yourself down because the high priest, you know, you know the kind of voice? He doesn't speak with this great, loud, ugly voice that Pat Dean has. He, st- he speaks in a still, small voice. That means you have to turn your computer off, your phones off, your telephones off, your... your uh, you got to shut them all off. Do you know why the two doctrines of sanctification, cleanliness, and consecration, presentation, have gone aside, especially in America? Because we got too busy. We're moving too fast. You know why God gives you a hospital sometimes? Not always. You know why God gives you a disease you say, God, give me a disease. God picked a fight with the devil and put Job right in the middle of it. You know why God will bring a heartache across your doorstep? I read my Bible. Let's not, let's not dance around it because God's trying to get my attention. 
That's why he'll cause a disease just to knock on my door. That's why he'll cause darkness to go. Let's continue to read. For such an high priest became us. Now I'm going to read that, how I see that. Became us. He became flesh. He became flesh. The high priest became us. God manifest in the flesh. Tempted in all fashions as we are, yet without sin. If Jesus Christ could not be tempted, then I've got a problem with Matthew chapter 4. Because Matthew chapter 4 is when the Spirit of God leads Jesus into the wilderness. And he's tempted of the devil. And three different times he says the way he got victory over that temptation was he said, It is written. It is written. It is written. So maybe you're here today and you say, I just can't get victory over and plug anything you want to plug into that, the end of that sentence. I just can't get victory. No, it isn't that you can't get victory. It's that right now you don't want the victory. For such an high priest, verse 26, became us. Now watch this high priest. Who is holy. Man. We're supposed to be like Jesus. Who is holy. I think we can stop there and preach for the next ten years or more. Just on being holy. Holy. Harmless. That's a good one. Undefiled. All right. Can't get corrupted. Isn't polluted. Here's that one we talked about. Separate from sinners. Does that mean I get isolated? No, Jesus wasn't isolated. But Jesus Christ was clean. And you know what God wants us to be? I don't care. I know what some of us are doing right now because I do it myself. Yeah, but. You don't know if, you know, as my boys would say, if if and buts were candy and nuts... Oh, what a party we'd have. Christianity doesn't run on but, but, like motor, Mel used to call it motorboat religion. But, 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 but. If, no, no, you can't live your Christian life off of if and buts. Separate from sinners. You go back into Corinthians, Paul talked about fornicators. And then he, he classifies it and he says, if a fornicator is in the body of Christ, you remove him. You remove him. But he said, you've got to go out into the world. You've got a company with fornicators there. You're going to brush shoulders and it's going to, be, it's going to get bad. It's where we live. It's, it's the world. Whether it's Italy, Staten Island, Worcester, Ohio... Podunk Holler, North Carolina, I don't care where. Sin abounds. But you know what this book does to me? It gets me clean. But here's what I also know. You remember when your children, I had, we had boys. Didn't have little girls, so little girls, are a, little girls are just a mystery to me, Nicole. They're different, aren't they, brother? They're different. Yeah, they're wonderful, pretty things, but they're a mystery. These little things are a mystery to me. 
I've been married to a mystery for 47 years. <laughs> wonderful mystery. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I can remember Saturday night rolled around. But here's Christianity. Let me give you a type of Christianity. And uh, we put the boys, tell the boys, okay, get in the bathroom and everybody take a bath. Nate, you're first. Do it. You got 10 minutes. Boom. Done. Okay, you're next. You got five minutes. Boom. Done. Matt, you're just a little tight right now. You got two minutes because your body's only a two-minute shower. You're done. Boom. Done. Two-minute bath. Amen. Yeah. I don't know what you're amen for, but amen. <laughs> so they come out. Then, then mom and dad walk in, and they got their pajamas on. And you walk in the bathroom, and you look at the towel. Now, I don't have any boogers on this, so just... And I'm looking at the towel. And I'm saying, how, how did that towel get mud and dirt all over it? Well, they decided, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my feet clean and the other parts of my body, but from the neck up, I'm not going to wash that. You know, behind the ears, there's dirt. You know, I look at the fingernails afterwards, and I'm saying, you know, what, you know what soap does for you? It gets the dirt off. It's like, guys, we've got to do this all over again. Back in again. But you know what? We're like that. We Christians are like that. We'll wash a certain part We'll give God, now listen to me, we'll give God, me too, me too, we'll give God a room in our house. Maybe, maybe you've got a five-room house, hypotheticals. We'll give God, okay, the kitchen. We'll give God the, the dining room. And on, but it, when it gets to that room where I can hide something, we won't give him the computer room. There's always, and we come to church. Hey, we're here today. I want you here. I'm not being hard on you. We're being realistic, right? I like, I like, I like, we try to give you a Christianity that it's where you walk. All right. But you know what full consecration is? And I'm working on it. I'm not there yet. You know what full consecration is? Every room in the house belongs to Jesus Christ. Amen. Every room in the house. That's right. Bedroom belongs to him. Mom and dad. Married couples. Man and woman, not man and man, woman, woman. That's a whole different animal. Bedroom belongs to him. Bedroom belongs to him. TV belongs to him. I still have a problem with that one, I'll admit. Hey, I, 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 I like to watch horror movies. I do. Like, I'm just amazed at how much they're stupid anymore. It's like, what the heck? This is nuts. Why do I watch this? <laughs> I was going to say crap, but I don't want to say crap. <laughs> Why don't I watch this stuff? <laughs> but you know what it is? But, but here's where you're at. I, I know where some of you are at, all right? Because you're saying, well, you're 65, and you're, you're not 25 anymore. Yeah, and, and, yeah. yeah, glad. I'm glad I don't, because I've lived through some things. And you know what some of us have got a little bit of mileage on us? You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to show you every fault and flaw an area that we had problems with so that you don't have don't repeat our mistakes don't repeat I made mistakes don't repeat them you don't have to repeat them you can be a thousand times more consecrated than than I hope I am right now if you just get everything clean 
Okay, let me go back. We're, we're not finished reading. Made higher than the heavens. 27, who needeth not daily as though high, those high priests, meaning Old Testament, to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins. Didn't have to do first for his own sins. He was without sin. And then for the peoples, for this he did once when he offered up himself. Jesus Christ offered up himself. Now watch verse 20, 28. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son, the person, the Son, God, who is consecrated forevermore. Somebody would say, why do you, why do you seem so passionate? Here's what you've got to take a good look at. Jesus Christ consecrated himself for me. He dedicated himself for me. He devoted himself to me. Look at chapter 10. You see, this is not about First Bible Church. This is not about any ministry that First Bible Church may do. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. So Jesus Christ consecrated, dedicated, presented, devoted himself. He was consecrated. He didn't need to be saved, but he did. Book of John tells me he sanctified himself. John, cha John chapter 17 tells me Jesus Christ sanctified himself. Here's the Son of God cleansing himself. Look at... Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse number 19. I'll just read 19. 19 and 20. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. All right. Context is the tabernacle. Context, and I can't teach on that right now. Not enough time. But that, that innermost place where there was the Ark of the Covenant, where there was the mercy seat, that was where the presence of God existed. It started way at the other end of the building, so to speak, at the brazen altar where a sacrifice was made and a priest, the high priest, would work his way, the priest and finally the high priest going through that veil. And when Jesus Christ died on that cross... The Bible tells us that the veil, being his flesh, was rent from top to bottom. Meaning that God the Father was satisfied. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Christ, blood of Jesus. Do you know what we get to do right now? You get to do this right where you're sitting. You get to enter into the very holiest of all by the blood of Jesus. No more blood of bulls and goats. You get to enter into the very... Here's, here's, if I can unfold this, here is the very thing I want you to see. This entire thing of consecration is his presence. We get wrapped up, and it is the background I was saved in. We get wrapped up in ministries, and we get wrapped up in doing. And it's been said from this pulpit, 
You could take three quarters. You could take the Spirit of God out of Christianity, especially in America, and over three quarters of what's being done would continue to motivate. But that's not the way God wants it. And the older I get in Christ, I'm seeing that more and more. I'm not saying to be lazy. But do you know where the power of God lies? Paul said it in Philippians, that I might know him. The power of God lies in the presence of God. The power of God lies when you take this book and you really want to see Jesus Christ. I can guarantee you he will jump off the page at you everywhere. Everywhere. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, now he's provided a way which he hath consecrated for us that through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Consecration. Now, I want you to go, to, go back in the Old Testament to First Chronicles. We're actually, we, we got a wonderful start here this morning. I don't know how that happened, but. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and a question is asked. David is about ready to turn over the reins to Solomon. First Chronicles chapter 29. He's about ready to turn over the reins to Solomon. David is going to die after 40 years. He's going to turn over the kingship to his son Solomon. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, he says, Furthermore, David the king said in verse 1, Unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. That statement, I'm going to take that statement and I'm going to show you another place. Us being here today, does the, does the Bible have the ability to fix your life? Yes. Does it have the ability, the power, the innate power, the intrinsic power to heal a marriage? Yes. Does it have an intrinsic power to, to correct wayward uh, loved ones? Yes. Does it have power to, to just give and, and, and heal and do all those things? Yes. But this meeting, here's what I'm beginning to see more and more. It's not something new, but it's becoming more and more clear to me. This entire thing is only going to work over one thing. Number one is the presence of Almighty God. God taking this book and manifesting His presence. It was like after 45 years of being saved, all of a sudden, in a very small little room in the, in the Laurels Nursing Home in Maslin, Ohio, my mother-in-law, God did something for me that He had not done for 45 years. I saw the presence of God that day. And it happened for about 10 minutes. And I can tell you this. This is not mystical, magical, crazy, doctrinal stuff. 
But you get into the presence of God and it'll change you. It'll change you. Because you see, you can know all the doctrines in this book and we will do our best to teach you. But these doctrines from, from the first of Genesis to the last of Revelation, all of this great Bible teaching that we do our best to give to you without God taking His own word, it's His presence. I know churches that were doctrinally sound that aren't even in existence anymore. Just had another conversation about one in Ohio. Doctrine? Oh, yes. Absolutely. It's the words of God. But you know what this book is supposed to do for me? It's supposed to usher me into the Holy of Holies. It's supposed to, through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, which was rent in twain, top to bottom, God is pleased. Every time I open this book as of late, I'm saying, Oh God, please, I beg of Thee, usher me into Your presence. Usher me in. Because I know your doctrines, Father. I've been taught them since I was 20. I don't know them like I should, but I can pretty much understand what, what good men teach me, what the book says. But you know what I, what, I, what I long for today as I stand here? I long for his presence. Oh, God, would you just not walk and talk with me and me be so aware of it? Walk with me, Father. Lord, my brother, Lord Jesus, my elder brother, would you not walk with me? Would you not talk with me? When I sit at the table and we pray over a meal, would you not capture me with your presence? Forget about the food getting cold. I can pray long enough to make any good piece of hamburger cold. When I sit in that chair in my bedroom and I try to devote myself to reading, or, or when I go to work, when I mow the grass, when I wash the car, whatever you're doing. You know what we need? Sometimes I think you've got too much doctrine. I don't know if that's possible. Probably not. But you know what we, you know what we need? We need this book to usher us into the Holy of Holies every time. Because I can guarantee you, if you'll get to that place in your life, God will change you because you'll want to be changed. You won't go in dirty in the presence of Almighty. You'll want to clean up. You'll want to be dedicated. He will change you. He will change you. First Chronicles chapter 29, he's turning over the reins, as I said. Look at verse number 5. Just a question is asked. David is giving of his own wealth and he's preparing and he's talking about I've set my affection to the house of my God. It was a physical thing at that time. He talks in verse 3, I have in mine own proper good, gold, silver. I've given, I, I, I have given to the house of my God over and above. He gave of his own money. And if you look at the rest of verse number 5, he says the gold for things of gold, the silver for things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the uh, artificers. But look at this last question, this sentence. David looks out on the congregation, and he, he asks the congregation of Israel a question. Who then is willing to consecrate his service this day 
unto the Lord. Who then is willing? Who then is willing to to sanctify himself enough to consecrate, to devote himself? Yes, it was a service. Notice the direction of that service. Unto the Lord. I came from a background where winning somebody to Christ was called headhunting. We talked about putting more notches in our gun, in, a, in the handle of a gun. Where if you brought enough people to church, I know one church down in Virginia that gave away a motorcycle, pack a pew Sunday. At the end of a month, the one who brought the most people got a brand new Harley Davidson. And at the end of that month, they wrote it right down the right down, big church, right, right down the middle aisle. That's the Christianity I grew up in. Now, I'm glad I got saved in it. But in hindsight, do you know what I've come to realize? Where's the presence of God in all of that? Pastor said it. We're going to have the Lord's table tonight. Do you know what the Lord's table is? I get, symbolically, I get to sit down at the table with Jesus Christ. Yes, it's in, it's in uh, uh, unfermented grape juice. It's, it's in unleavened bread. But that was, the, that was the ordinance that was left. One day bodily, we will sit at the table. It's called the presence of God. Go to, give me a few more minutes. Go to uh, Exodus 28 with me. Here's what I know from personal experience about what we in the Bible calls the ministry. Men and women are harmed. Families are harmed. When good people are not given enough time in their growth pattern in Jesus Christ, to grab a hold of sanctification, to grab a hold of consecration, a dedication, a devotedness to Jesus Christ, and in the power of whatever their own flesh, their own desire, and it can be a good desire. It can be a, it can be a, 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 really a good heart attitude about the thing. Old man down south used to say this, as I heard him preach many, many years ago, God never sends green troops into combat. Only, only our armed services. Vietnam, one year out of high school, 19, I get drafted. The average 
young person in Vietnam was between the ages of 19 and 25. Wars are planned by old men and fought by young men. But I want to, as I read this book, you know what I find? I find that God does not send green troops into combat, even when a man married. And I don't know how to do this today. I don't even know if it's possible. But Israel had, a, had made it part of their, their culture. When a man and a woman married for one year, they didn't do anything. And the Bible says the man was supposed to cheer up his wife. Hallelujah for that. But you know what, you know what that did for that couple in the Old Testament? Just the presence with no distractions from the outside world. No job. I know it can't be done. I know it's difficult. Here's what I know about my God. You've got to close things out. And you've got to get, you get alone. You've got to get intimate. That I might know Him. This is not about the doing. Hear me out. This is not about the doing. I didn't say don't do. But you know where the doing starts? We take those two verses that Paul talked about. Lord, what would thou have me to do? And we immediately want to go to, Lord, what would thou have me to do? That was not the first question. The first question was, Lord, who art thou? It takes time. But men and families and women and children are damaged sometimes. Because in our desire, it's not, it's not directed right. And then we have to start all over, and God is gracious. I've done it a hundred times. <laughs> and so have you. Go to, go to Exodus chapter 28 with me. Three verses. The tabernacle is being instituted and the priesthood is being instituted. And once again, for our visiting friends, you have no idea what I just said. <laughs> but if you stay around here long enough, we'll explain it to you. But they took humans. They took, they took men. Jesus replaced all those priests and all that priesthood. Now we don't need all those priests. Okay? Like some religions tell me we do. We don't need them. If you're saved here, I don't care whether it's priest, rabbi, or minister. If you're saved, you, according to the Word of God, you're a priest. You've got just as much access. We're on a level playing field. You've got just as much access to God, you do, you, you, as two men who hold the office of a bishop and about a dozen or so who hold the office of a deacon here. You've got just as much access. You might even have more access. Exodus 28 says, Take thou, I'm going to read all three and then make a few comments and say amen. Take thou unto thee Aaron, thy brother. Now this is Moses. God's talking to Moses. says, Take thou unto thee Aaron. That's Moses' brother. And his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, Ithamar, Aaron's sons. Two. Thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. Thou shalt speak, verse, verse number three, and thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, 
that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Here's, here's initially what I want you to see here. Do you know what this consecration started with? I keep something in Exodus there. Do you know what consecration starts with? Do you realize it said there, Aaron thy brother? Aaron thy brother. Consecration starts with a calling. It starts with relationship. Aaron thy brother. Can I take you back? You know, if you go to First Peter with me. Consecration starts with a calling, and by that I simply mean this. I'm going to take you back, not that you're called to consecration, but you know you're getting saved. The moment you got saved, you realize God called you? We're not talking about after you're saved. That happens too. I've got you in First Peter chapter 2. I said it to a dear friend here, and I didn't want to, I, 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 we had no intentions of embarrassing anybody around here. But sometimes things are just brought out into the open. If you're here and you know not the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been called to be saved. God's calling you this morning. Now you can do one of two things. You can either blow him off, which I want to tell you right up front is dangerous. Or you can submit your own spirit your own soul, and your own body to him right now, and by simple faith, 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 forsaking all I trust him. That's all faith is. You put your bodies in a chair. Can anybody tell me? Right, maybe somebody can. If you can, don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. I do not understand the molecular structure of this chair. They tell me it's steel, case-hardened, painted with an epoxy. They tell me it's got some, uh, some foam in it, which I don't understand either, and it's got some cloth around it, which I don't understand. But you know what I'm, you know I'm going to do right now? I'm going to take a little 5'7", 230-pound little fat body, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm not going to have a problem with it, man. You know what basically that is? That's called faith. That's called, you just put your faith in that chair. You know it's no more difficult with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ paid the debt. Jesus Christ wrote the book. Jesus, look around. Everything you see, that's what Jesus Christ did. See those trees out there? You know the, the air you're breathing? That belongs to Jesus Christ. You know what faith is? Forsaking all I trust him. That's faith. No, we're, we're back there. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. You know what? You've been called. You've been called today. God's trying to call you. Now, you may be hearing my voice, all right? But we're reading the Word of God. Could be somebody else's voice. Could be a child's voice, a woman's voice. But we're going to read the Scriptures. That's why we ask you to have a Bible in your hand. First Peter chapter 1, chapter 2, excuse me. Look at verse 9. Consecration starts with a calling. You've got to start somewhere. 
You've got to start with salvation. He told, Peter tells, tells these Hebrew Christians here, he tells in verse number 9, but ye are a chosen generation. Chosen. You see, Jesus Christ has chosen you. All you have to do this morning is choose Him. Royal priesthood. If you're a believer, you're a part of a royal priesthood. Jesus Christ is the high priest. That priesthood, by the way, is called the family of God. No longer Levitical. All right? Jesus Christ came out of the tribe of Judah. Holy nation. A peculiar people. Boy, I tell you, we need to stay on that one for the next 35 years. Notice it doesn't say odd. I'm odd. I know. Don't care anymore. But you know all of us are supposed to be peculiar. You really know what that, you know what that means, basically, in my, in my mind? That means I'm living in a world that I don't fit in anymore. Oh, I'm in it. And I'm, I'm playing by Caesar's rules to a point. I'm paying my taxes because God tells... I'm even... You know what I'm, I'm even doing? I'm even praying for President Obama. You say, not me. Well, then you're not living the Bible. Read the book of Romans. The Bible talks to me about, tells me to pray for those... I know I just made some of you mad. Good. I've got to give up being an American. And I've got to start living as a Christian. I know you want him to preach more. He will. Peculiar people. Now watch what this says. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Marvelous. Wonderful. Do you know what God wants to do today? He wants... Lost person, he wants to call you. He's calling you. He's calling you. All you've got to do is listen and say, yes. I'm, I, I'm, he's calling me and I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer yes. Let me go back to, to, to Exodus. Consecration starts with a calling. If you look at the rest of verse number 1, now they're choosing these men out of, out of uh, the, the, the family of Aaron. And it says in verse number 1, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Now, if you look at what the priest did, you would think he's ministering to Israel. But that's not how God saw that. Minister unto me, where consecration starts with a calling, consecration ministers by communion. You know what communion is? Communion is when two things are put together. You don't go there, but let me just read words. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 through 17, there's some words that God talks about, uh, about communion and putting things together and not being... He says, don't be unequally yoked together. He talks about fellowship. How can, how can communion 
have, have fellowship with darkness. He talks about concord, which is harmony. He talks about agreement. You and I, the ministry has been, I think over the years, the ministry has been taught wrongly. Not necessarily by us. I'm not saying that. I think, I think we actually teach it correctly. But what I grew up in, it was do, 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 go, 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 go. You know, and, and I know the judgment seat of Christ. I believe it I, just like you do. Teach it. May not understand it all. But you know where it starts? It doesn't start with, Lord, what would you have me to do? It starts with, Lord, who art thou? You got to get to find. You you got to get to know. You you've got to get to know. You've you in any relationship. I happen to love the presence of my wife. We don't have to be doing anything. I can sit in fellowship with many of you as we do. We don't necessarily have to be doing anything. You know where the sweetness is. Now we may do something. But you know where the sweetness is? The sweetness is in the presence. But when I keep blowing off anything, my wife says, just sit down and talk to me. When I say, no, I'm too busy, because I did that. Listen to me. I did that for years. Here. I'm hardwired Martha. I can't. I can't do that anymore. The season has changed. Drives me crazy. I can dig holes with the best of them. I can move things with the best of them. But you want to know something? Something dawned on me not too long ago. This isn't about Martha anymore. This is about Mary. Mary chose that good part that couldn't be taken away. I'm not talking about being lazy. God knows you. we're not lazy around here, and we're going to continue to do. We're going to do that. We're going to do around the world. We're going to do. But you know where the power of the doing lies? It lies in the presence. It lies in the presence. It lies in the... It, and you know what we're not going to do here by, in my mind? I'm, I'm, I'm one man just talking. We're not going to damage people. We're not going to damage people by, because I got damaged. I'll be honest with you. I got damaged. I know I, I know I damaged my family. I'm a glass house. Throw stones if you want. I know. And I've asked forgiveness of, of my God for that over and over. And it's only the grace of God if anything good comes out of any of it. But you know what I see now as an older man? I must have the presence of God. I've got to have his presence I've got to have it. <laughs> That's what we need. That he may minister unto me. All right. You can't commune with God and not be blessed. You can't commune with God and something not good, something good not happen. Can I just shake it? We're moving quickly because i got to quit. Look at verse number 2. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron and, and thy brother for glory and for beauty. For glory and for, you know, glory is something that you can see. 
Beauty is something that you can see whether it's outside or inside. Glory and beauty. Consecration. They were going to put garments on top of garments. They were going to put garments. There was a linen garment. He wasn't naked. But they were going to robe Aaron and his sons in holy garments for glory and for beauty. The changed life, consecration, reveals the changed life. A life that has been changed by Jesus Christ. There were several times, we can't take you now back to 1 Samuel chapter 4, where the Ark of the Covenant got to, uh, uh, the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant. And in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 21, there was a baby born. Eli's two sons, they die. The Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God, got stolen by the Philistines. The one son, his wife, was pregnant. She ends up having a baby. Eli, the father, falls over backwards on a chair that he wasn't supposed to be on. He was a heavy man, overweight, breaks his neck, he's dead. That baby is born, and they named that baby Ichabod. Ichabod means, and if you read chapter 4 of 1 Samuel, around verse 21, says the glory is departed from Israel. Do you know why the glory had departed? Because the presence of God had been hijacked. We dare not let the presence of God get hijacked around here. We're not talking something mystical and magical here. We're talking about this book working in your life and God just overwhelming you. You know what I need more and more? I need a moment in a, in a, in a, in a, in a nursing home with a 91-year-old woman who just said, Sing, sing. And I said, Well, let's sing together, Ma. And she starts singing. And God, again, as I stood there, and my wife contested this, God transported me to the third heaven. And every problem and every discouragement and every whatever went away. And me and that old lady were transported to the third heaven. That's what we need. We need moments. We need, we need those moments more than ever. The glory had departed. Can I give you one, one more thing? Go to, go to the book of Jeremiah with me, and I will quit. Jeremiah, I know I said that three times. You're not believing me. Did you expect to believe me? Come on. Go to, go to Jeremiah and find Lamentations, the Lamentations of Jeremiah. Do you know what will keep this place beautiful? You say, good doctrine. Yes, true. Never belittle good doctrine. But you know what will keep this place beautiful? His presence. His presence. His presence. Look at Lamentations chapter 1. 
as Israel devolved more and more, they lost the glory of God. They lost the presence of God. That Ark of the Covenant got lost for years. David found it and then tried to do something wrongly with it. And that story is told in 2 Samuel. But look, at, look at Lamentations chapter 1. Now again, this is Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Judah and Israel are in the captivity, whether it's Assyrian or Babylonian. They're away from God, and God's drawing them back through captivity. Something happens, something said in verse number 6. That's interesting. You see, without the presence of God, this book in your life is the presence of God. God uses this book, Jesus Christ in words, to draw you and I to him. But look at verse 6. Israel had lost its glory. But you remember what the garments were for? They were for glory and beauty. As I said, I know good churches just in, in, in my small sphere of knowing things. I know good churches that the doctrine was sound. I know one of them, the Greek Orthodox Church now owns their building. They just sold it. They sold that building where once the authorized King James Version, Jesus Christ, was preached and believed and loved and people that we know came out of. And today the Greek Orthodox Church owns that building. That doctrine is supposed to be drawing me into the presence of Jesus Christ. Because here's what will happen if the presence of Jesus Christ goes. Not only will the glory leave, the beauty will leave too. Look at verse number 6. These are the lamentations, the grievings of Jeremiah for his nation. The weeping prophet, five chapters, and he says in six and, uh, of, of chapter 1, verse 6, and from the daughter of Zion, Zion being Jerusalem, being Israel. And from the daughter of Zion, Israel, all her beauty is departed. Without the presence of God, the glory goes, the glory departed, and the beauty departed. If this place... And I'll quit. If this place, you sitting in these chairs, please don't take this wrongly. We will celebrate 40 years in just a few months. But here's what I know. Those 40 years are behind us. And I can't live off of yesterday's manna. I cannot live off of yesterday's glory. I must do everything as one believer, as one priest. Believer priest. To keep the presence of God in my life alive so that glory 
and beauty will fill my life and prayerfully will fill others, others' lives so that this place will continue to be exactly what God always intended his church to be. Let's pray.